Hello, nature lovers. Do you love to read books like I do? I've always enjoyed reading books ever since I was a kid, especially books about nature. Unfortunately, as I get older, I find myself with less and less time to sit down with a good book. I've solved that problem with Audible. Audible allows you to listen to your favorite titles while you are driving at the gym, taking a walk, wherever you are. With all the latest titles, you'll have quite a selection to choose from. And they have podcasts, too. Start listening today with a free 30-day trial. To get your free 30-day trial, go to the show notes and click on the link. Happy listening. Welcome, friends, to the Nature Wanderer podcast. I'm Paul, your host, and today I want to talk a little bit about spring. I'm getting the fever, spring fever. The other day, I saw some turkey vultures circling overhead. Today, when I was outside, I heard some black-capped chickadees doing their mating calls. All signs that spring is in the air. Yes, the days are getting longer, nights shorter. It's warming up a little bit. So spring is just about here. And spring seems to be a busy time for me, at least it used to be. It's starting to settle down because I stopped doing wildlife rehabilitation. Yeah, I used to be a wildlife rehabilitator for about 30 years or so. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what wildlife rehabilitation is, basically it's taking in injured, orphaned wildlife, taking care of it, and getting it back out in the wild. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Well, it's not as easy as it sounds. And in the springtime, it's what rehabbers call baby season because all the babies are out there and people are getting out there. Yeah, you've been stuck inside in the wintertime, trying to stay warm, not getting out as often to hike, to explore nature, and now it's starting to warm up. So people are like, I've been stuck inside. I'm tired of watching the reruns over and over again. I've binge-watched TV to death. I'm ready to get out and explore nature. So people are getting out more onto the trail. They're wandering more, exploring everything out there. And they're running into these babies. They're running into wildlife more. I used to get calls all the time. I've got a baby bird on the ground. It's hopping around. The parents are nowhere to be seen. The poor thing's abandoned. Or I'll get the call, hey, I've got a bird. It's hopping around on the ground. I think it's got a broken wing because it's not flying. And after I get a description of what's going on, I get the whole story, I find out it's not injured. It's not abandoned. It's just a baby bird who just got kicked out of the nest because mom and dad are like, okay, we've fed you long enough. Time for you to get out on your own. Time for you to learn how to fly and start fending for yourself. We got to get on with our business. And they're probably about two days, maybe less, but about two days away from actually flying. So they can't fly yet, but they're close and they're hopping around on the ground. 
best thing to do is leave them alone. And we'll talk more about what to do when you find wild animals in the wild in a few minutes. But for now, I just want to let you know, this is what we call baby season in the rehab world. Now, wildlife rehabilitation. What is it all about? Basically, it's taking injured and orphaned wildlife, taking care of it until it can get back out in the wild and take care of itself. Once they're well enough to take care of themselves, then you let them go and they're out there to be free to fly around. Now, can you do wildlife rehabilitation? No, not unless you're licensed. Most states require that in order to handle, to possess, to have these wild animals, injured or not, you need to be licensed. Even a licensed wildlife rehabilitator cannot keep these animals as pets. We have to give them up. We have to get them back to the wild. That's our whole purpose. If they can't go back to the wild, we have one of two options. We can either euthanize them or we can get them to a place, an educational center that will keep them. So those are the options. Now I keep saying we. I'm talking as if though I'm a wildlife rehabilitator. Well, I have been. I was a wildlife rehabilitator for about 30 years. I gave up my license a couple years ago. Uh, I won't get into the whole story about that, but I gave it up. I decided not to be a rehabilitator, but I rehabbed for about 30 years. I took care of hundreds of wild animals. Most of them got back to the wild. Others, unfortunately, were in such rough shape they didn't make it. So what happens if you do find an injured or orphaned wild animal? I get the call every year. Oh, that poor little bunny just got attacked by a hawk, and I was so kind. I saved it from that hawk, and that's when I usually shudder. It's like, that poor hawk, now he's starving. He spent all that energy to catch that rabbit. The rabbit's going to end up food for another animal, too. So I understand. The kindness of your heart, that's what we do as humans. We save things. We take care of things. But you actually harm that hawk by taking away his meal. So stop interfering with nature. But anyhow, I get those calls all the time. What do you do? How do you find a wildlife rehabilitator? Well, I'll actually leave some links in the show notes on organizations like the NWRA, National Wildlife Rehabilitation Association, the International Wildlife Rehabilitation Council, IWRC. These have links to find wildlife rehabilitators in your area. Also, you can call your state agencies, your state wildlife agencies. For instance, in New York State, we have the DEC, Department of Environmental Conservation. You could also call your vets, although a vet, unless they are a licensed rehabilitator, they cannot take care of injured wild animals. They actually have to do it under a rehabber's license. But they usually, the vets will usually have a listing of all the local rehabilitators in the area. So you could call your vets. Also, a lot of nature centers will keep lists of wildlife rehabilitators because they get these calls all the time as well. You can do a search online. There are a couple organizations that put 
a list out of rehabbers throughout the country. So check first. See where you can find a wildlife rehabilitator and then call them. So why not just take care of it yourself? Well, legally you cannot. You have to be a licensed wildlife rehabilitator in order to take care of a wild animal, whether it's injured or not, whether it's orphaned or not. You cannot take care of that animal legally unless you're licensed. Now, a state license, that allows you to rehabilitate any mammals. But if you decide you find an injured bird and you want to take care of it, you need to be federally licensed. U.S. Fish and Wildlife actually licenses rehabilitators to handle birds because birds are protected under the Migratory Bird Act. So it's a federal offense if you try to take in an injured bird and take care of it yourself. So you need to be licensed. Now you're thinking, well, I don't have any rehabilitators in my area. What am I going to do? Maybe you want to become a wildlife rehabilitator and fill, fill that void. How do you do that? Well, you got to look up in your state. Contact your local state agency and find out what the regulations are. I know in New York State here, they ask that you apprentice under another rehabilitator for so many years or so much time, and then you need to take a test. Now, this test is administered by the state agency, the DEC here in New York. Now, once you have your license, once again, you can only do mammals. After a while, then you can apply for your federal license to do birds, if that's your thing, if that's what you want to do. So that's how you become a wildlife rehabilitator. But you have to be licensed to take care of these wild animals legally. Can't just go out and do it. And it even gets a little more complicated if you're thinking about endangered species. If you want to rehabilitate eagles, you need another license. I actually had several different licenses back when I did wildlife rehabilitation. I had a state license, which allowed me to do mammals. I had what was called a class two state license, which allowed me to take in apprentices and teach other people and have them work underneath my license. I also had a federal license and I had a rehab license for endangered species on both the state and federal level. So I could take in a bald eagle, I could take in a peregrine falcon, and that's only because I had these special licenses. So it takes all these different licenses and training in order to do certain animal. Now, if you find that this is something that maybe you want to look into, becoming a wildlife rehabilitator, I want to let you know what you're in for. First of all, time. This is one of the reasons I got out of it. This is why I gave up my license, not because I was terrible at it. I actually had a very good release rate, but I didn't have the time anymore. I felt I couldn't put in the effort that I used to. It takes a lot of time, especially if you are dealing with baby animals. And I know when I first started 
to do wildlife rehabilitation. My first few years, I took in whatever anyone called me on. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And what happened is I got burned out very quickly because I overwhelmed myself. It took a lot of my time. And I'm trying to do that while doing a full-time job as well on top of it. So it just did not function right. And that's why most really good wildlife rehabilitators will specialize. They will specialize in certain species. Maybe it's just birds, songbirds. Maybe it's just raptors. Maybe they'll specialize in just rabbits. I knew a married couple that they specialized only in doing rabbits. God bless them. One of the hardest animals to rehabilitate. They're so high strung, but this couple want to do it. And I thought they're experts. I talked to them the one time. I took them with some rabbits one time and I asked them, I said, what is your release rate? Since this is your one thing, you're doing it so well. They said about 30%, only about a third. And they've been doing it for years and years, just rabbits. But that's how tough rabbits are. So it all depends on the species. So it does take a lot of time. If you were doing babies, plan on being up in the middle of the night feeding them. Yeah, The only ones who sleep at night are the birds. If you're doing mammals, you're up every couple of hours, giving them food, making them go to the bathroom. Yes, you have to stroke them to get them to go to the bathroom. All of this stuff is taking time out of your day. I remember some rehabbers who used to take a purse, even the guys, they would take this little bag to work with them and they would have a little animal in them. I actually had cardboard boxes that I would take to work with me at times. And this is when I worked at a nature center, so it wasn't so difficult. I just kept it on my desk and every once in a while I would go into my office and I would start feeding it and then I'd go back to what I was doing. So I had to plan my day accordingly. It does take time. What about cost? I mean, you're licensed by the state, you're licensed by the federal government, so of course you're getting money from them, right? Wrong. You get no support whatsoever from them. Can you ask for donations? Well, here's another fine legality line. You are not allowed to take donations from the general public to fund your wildlife rehabilitation unless you are a nonprofit organization. Do people? Of course they do. But it's only legal if you are a nonprofit organization. So you can call it a gift from someone otherwise. But if it's a donation, maybe someone wants to give you, I don't know, 50 bucks to take care of this animal. You cannot go out and fundraise either. So maybe you just want to charge people to take the animals in. Nope, not allowed to do that either. This is paid for completely by you. If you want to take gifts, that's fine. Once again, you have to be a nonprofit to take donation. And yes, I did go through the trouble of becoming a small nonprofit as well. Most rehabilitators, they're just doing it in their garage or maybe out in a shed or their basement or somewhere in their house, and they're not a nonprofit. So they're doing it with their own money. So it does get to be costly. And how about effort? 
you have to put a lot of your effort and time into it, not just with the rehab, but gaining knowledge. There are rehabilitation seminars. Every year, the NWRA and the IWRC and a lot of the state agencies also hold these conferences. In New York State, we had the New York State Wildlife Rehabilitation Council. And every year, they would hold a conference in the middle of winter when people aren't as busy doing rehab. They would hold a conference that would help teach. They would have classes on rehabilitation, on how to help these animals. And with all this effort that you're putting into this, what about the emotions? I know it's wonderful. It's wonderful that you get to take in these wild animals and make a difference. Are we making a difference? Another reason I stepped away from rehab. Not just the time. That was the big one. But it was also reading studies about wildlife rehabilitation. I found that a lot of the animals that we release, they have done radio tracking on some, they've done studies, and they found that the animals that were not taken care of properly during their rehab didn't make it anyhow. Even after everyone thought, oh, this bird is ready. They're ready to go back to the wild. A lot of them didn't make it. If you are having hands-on time with a wild animal, especially the babies you got to be extra careful with, those babies are coming habituated to you. They're starting to become used to people. And so what do they do when they're released? They figure people are not a threat. And they go around, hang around where people are. And they become a nuisance animal. Or they just don't know how to defend themselves from danger. It's very tough to keep a wild animal wild. Even with the little bit of time that you're handling them. And we are trained as wildlife rehabilitators to take as little time with the animal. Don't treat it like a pet. So if you're getting into wildlife rehabilitation so that you can be, oh, snuggly, snuggly around all these little wild animals, no, that's the wrong reason. Don't even think about getting into it then because you're not snuggling with these animals. They're not pets. They're wild animals. You're just like a doctor, a nurse, and you're taking care of it, and then you're getting it back out into the wild. And speaking of that, let's talk about the doctors real quick. You need a vet. You can't do medical procedures legally, even if you're licensed. You are not allowed to do the medical procedures. So you need to work closely with the vet, who hopefully will give you a break on the price. You are not a doctor. You are a nurse when it comes to wildlife. So you're taking care of them. You're not doing procedures. Yes, you may give shots. You may end up doing an IV on an animal. You may be, you know, tube feeding an animal, all these other things. But if it comes to an operation, nope, you're not allowed. Where are you getting the medications from? From your vet. The vet has to treat the animal initially if it's serious enough. So what are the release rates? I mean, you're, you're thinking, I'm taking this beautiful animal in, I'm taking care of it out of the kindness of my heart. My purpose is get it back into the wild. It always feels good to get these animals back to the wild. But there's another side to it. 
What about the animals that can't get back to the wild? I was a really good rehabber in my later years. The early time, yeah, I didn't do so well because, like I said, I took in everything and I was overwhelmed, so I couldn't give everything my full attention and I didn't have the knowledge. I had probably about a 30% release rate, only about 30%, a third of the animals that I took in got back to the wild. In my later years, I was up to about a 60 to 80% release rate. It was awesome. Everything I got in, it would go out. There were years, and it depends on what you're getting in. I mean, I would get some animals in that were poisoned, um, got caught in a leg trap. Uh, I've got animals who were shot, animals who ran into a window and had severe head trauma. I had broken bones that were so severe there was nothing we could do. And I say we by my vet and I. So... These animals basically had to be euthanized, humanely euthanized, or if we felt that they would be fine, both emotionally and physically, in an environmental setting, then we would place them with an educational facility that was licensed to take these animals in. So that's the sad part. Not all the animals are going to make it, and you have to make the hard decision on what to do with the ones that you know will never go back to the wild. It's not an easy thing. So you have to deal with these emotions of frustration. Maybe you have an animal who's doing great, and this has happened more times with me, where I would have an animal that was injured, he's doing great, and then all of a sudden, you find him dead in his cage. He was healthy. He was eating. He, everything was fine. You were actually planning the release date. Everything was going as according to plan. And all of a sudden you come in into his cage and he's gone. He's deceased. You have no idea what happened. And you beat yourself up trying to figure out what did I do wrong? You did nothing wrong. I finally realized that I did nothing wrong. It was just that animal's time. You have to deal with these emotions. So I'm not trying to scare you out of being a wildlife rehabilitator, if that's your plan. I just want you to know what's involved and what you're going to deal with. And once again, don't get into it because you want to handle these snuggly, cute animals. Remember, they're not pets. They never will be. So you don't want to get into it. That's great, too. What do you do if you find an injured wild animal? you get it to a licensed wildlife rehabilitator. It's that simple. But remember, not all wild animals need to be rehabilitated. A lot of them are probably fine. I get a lot of calls, or I should say I used to get a lot of calls when I was licensed. Now I have to refer the calls to other people. But when I got the calls, and this is another part of being a wildlife rehabilitator, you have to deal with the public and you have to do it in a nice way. Because if you don't, if you're yelling at these people, I knew a rehabber who used to do this. They would get a call and they'd get so frustrated with the person, they'd start yelling at them. And that person just hangs up on them and they're not calling back. And you know what they're doing. They're going to keep that animal and they're going to take care of it. So you have to know how to deal with the public as well. 
So spring's just around the corner and we're going to start getting all the babies out there. And this is the busiest time for wildlife rehabilitators. This is when you're out there and you start finding these wild animals, these babies, these orphans. I'm doing the air quotes when I say that. The orphans out there who aren't really orphans. So what do you do? Well, before you call a wildlife rehabilitator, unless you need advice from them, before you call them, number one, make sure that they truly are orphans. If you don't see any blood, it's probably not injured. Okay, if it's not drooping a wing, probably not injured. If it's just hopping around on the ground, a baby bird, probably just a fledgling. The parents are around. You may look around and say, I don't see it. It's a different thought process than humans have. I know I would do anything to take care of my children. Anything. I would give my own life for my children. But birds don't think that way. Wild animals don't think that way. They are trying to survive. That's what it's about out there. Survival. They can have another baby. They can lay more eggs. They are worried about themselves. You're a big predator. I know you're friendly. They don't. So they look at you as a threat. So they're going to keep their distance. That mom bird, she's up in the tree. She's watching. She's waiting for you to leave. If you stick around, she's not coming back. And eventually she might desert that baby. So the best thing to do if you're unsure if it's abandoned, is to keep your distance. Stay out of view, go into your house, go far away, come back later and check. Or watch from the window, see if the bird's there, make sure the birds can't see you. And if the parents don't return after a short while, I'm going to say maybe 15 minutes, then call a wildlife rehabilitator. Now, if the bird or the animal could be a mammal, if it's constantly calling out for food, then it probably needs help. And let's talk deer, because that's another big one. I get a lot of calls on, and I never did rehabilitate deer. They're, they're very specialized. I luckily had a few rehabilitators in my area that specialized in deer, and that's all they did, because if you're doing deer, that's about all you can do. So they specialized in deer, and I would send them their way. But a lot of times they didn't need to be rescued. You have to understand a, a fawn, baby deer, is born without a scent. So the wild animals, the coyote, the fox, they can't smell that baby. So they don't know where it is. So if mom is standing around guarding it all the time, the coyote, the fox, they can smell mom. And they'll know where the baby is. So mom often leaves the entire day and leaves the baby alone. And the baby knows to stay really still, nice and quiet. The animals can't hear it. The animals can't smell it. The predators won't know it's there. I don't know how many times I've walked up onto a deer and it scared the daylights out of me because it was just staying so still, I never saw it or heard it. And then all of a sudden it... I got close enough within a couple of feet and it jumps up and scares the daylights out of me. But that's what it's taught to do. Stay still. We wander up. We notice it. It's all alone. Mom's not around. And that's when the rehabbers get a call. It's probably fine. 
It just is not old enough to run fast enough to get away from dangers. And mom knows that. She leaves it alone for the day. She'll come back later and take care of it. But if you hear it calling out, it's what we call bleating. When the deer, the baby deer is just calling out constantly, you know it's very hungry. And you know mom hasn't been around for a while. That's when you need to call a wildlife rehabilitator. If you see blood, if you see a dragging wing on a bird, then you should call a wildlife rehabilitator immediately. But the orphans, let's give them a chance first. I always say with rabbits, rabbits will dig a hole in your lawn and then they fill that hole with their own fur to keep it nice and cozy warm. And then they have their babies in there, they leave them alone, and they cover the nest up with grasses. So always in the spring, check your lawn before you mow it for the first time. Make sure that there aren't any rabbit nests around. If you do find a baby rabbit nest, once again, mom is probably around somewhere, but she's keeping her distance. If you're unsure, put some sticks over it just some small little twigs, put it over the nest, close enough together where they would have to be moved if an adult rabbit was trying to get into the nest. And then just leave it, walk away. Come back a couple hours later, check it. If none of the sticks are moved, leave it a little bit longer, check again. If they still haven't been moved, then call a rehabilitator. Mom probably isn't around, but if those sticks were moved so that she could get into the nest, take care of the babies, then you know she's around. She's taking care of it. So there's a lot of little tricks to tell if they truly are orphans. The New York Department of Environmental Conservation did a campaign several years ago where they put out posters, they put out brochures, pamphlets, had advertisements everywhere. And I loved the saying that they had, if you care, leave them there. It's great. Basically, it's talking about how the babies, they're on their own, they're self-sufficient, or mom's around, they're just waiting for you to leave. So the saying, if you care, leave them there, is just encouraging us not to deal with the wildlife, not to touch them. Let them go. They're probably fine. There's probably a 99% chance that there's nothing wrong. They don't need to be rescued. I don't know how many times I've gotten calls about baby animals that people have taken, taken them into their house. Kids are playing with them. Um, loud noises around. I can hear it in the background as they're calling me on the phone. And I tell them, take it back. Put it back where it was. If you have animals, dogs, cats, cats should never be outdoors. They don't belong outdoors, and you can send me all the DMs you want. You can send me all the emails that I want because I've got all the arguments that prove that I'm right. Cats do not belong outdoors, so leave them indoors. Your dogs, make sure that they are watched when they're outside, especially in the springtime. Make sure they're on a leash if you're on the trail. Make sure that they are contained so that they will not harm these wild animals. I get calls every year about dogs bringing home a baby animal or some animal, and we don't know where the nest is because the dog found it. So always watch your pets as well. 
Well, that's about all I have to say about wildlife rehabilitation. There's so much more to talk about with it. If you're interested, go to the NWRA or the IWRC website, and they have a lot more information about how to become a wildlife rehabilitator, what to do if you find injured or orphaned wildlife. But please do not take it in and take care of it yourself. Not only is it difficult, not only is there's a very good chance they won't make it without the training, without the knowledge, but it's also unethical and illegal for you to do so. So please, if you care, leave them there. Call a wildlife rehabilitator. So that's about all I have to say about wildlife rehabilitation. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you enjoyed wandering through nature with me, don't forget to invite your nature-loving friends to join us. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and take a minute to rate and review the podcast. If you have any nature questions or ideas for future episodes, please feel free to drop me a DM on my Instagram page, which is at the nature wanderer underscores in between each word, or my website at naturewanderer.org. You can also support the podcast by joining my Patreon, which will also give you extras, including videos, education classes, pictures, and much more. Show your support of the podcast and your love of nature by sporting a Nature Wanderer t-shirt, water bottle, backpack, puzzle, and much more. All this merch can be purchased from the link at my website. Have a great week and keep exploring the nature around you. Mm -hmm.